schools in session. This is Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School Podcast. Real talk about recruiting, sourcing, and <clears throat> cyber sleuthing. Hot takes on sourcing tools, recruiting tech, and anything we want to talk about with no filter. It's time to level up and put your sourcing pants on. Here's your dudes, Ryan Leary and Brian Fink. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends of all ages, guess who's back on the show? Well, besides Ryan Leary, hello, Ryan. We've got the awesome, ever-present, uh, Sorceress Supreme. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I think I'm gonna w the Sorceress Supreme. Is that a <laughs> is that a good nickname for for Aaron Matthew? Aaron Matthew, Sorceress what's going Supreme on? Supreme kind of sounds like whatever new menu item they got going on at Taco <laughs> Bell or something. Okay, I was thinking about Marvel, and I was thinking about um, and I was thinking about uh, Doctor Strange. Um, not to compare you to Doctor Strange, because certainly that is. Uh, <laughs> Wow, I am digging yeah, hole, yeah. inserting foot heavily, aren't I? That is. You, you might just want to just stop let's stick talking. with Taco Bell. Let's, let's stick with that. <laughs> Ding! Today's hey, podcast ta- brought to you by Taco Bell. Ding! Taco Bell is not bad, so don't knock it. It's the best Mexican food out there, right? <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, I know. I know. Wow. Aaron's about to jump through the microphone here to get me. What, so, Maybe. so you know, before we kick off about like workflows and marketing and all this stuff we're going to talk about talk to me about this food porn you keep posting online because every time i see it it is ridiculous <laughs> um i mean i've been cooking since i was about eight years old and a lot of what i've learned is purely just through osmosis and watching too much food network and you know it's just really it's it's become second nature to me over time and you know, anybody who knows me knows that nothing drives me more crazy than when I post something that I made and I get the recipe question mark. And I'm like, don't do this to me, please. <laughs> like I, I haven't used recipes in the longest time. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's almost like muscle memory for me at this point when I throw things together mm-hmm. and I don't know what to tell people when they want to know how to make it. So, you know, I, I try to post things merely as inspiration more than instruction. <laughs> Well, it's inspiration for me to eat. So I'm down with that. So Fink, transition that into marketing. It's all you. Yeah, I'm going to transition that into marketing <laughs> is that we were we were having a conversation or just, just before we hit the record button. So welcome to you, the fourth person in this conversation, um, our listener. We're glad that you're here. Welcome back. Um, we were having a conversation with Aaron about how to put on that marketing hat and leverage. I don't, I don't really think we said the words employee branding, but like, you do a good job of that on LinkedIn, man. Like you do a real good job of that. So Aaron, tell us, tell us about the magnet of, of marketing and how that's attracting the right candidates to the right opportunity at the right top. Yeah. And I've kind of haphazardly fallen into the marketing function a little bit in every job that I've had in the last couple of years. Um, and a lot of that was due to the fact that we didn't really have anyone doing recruitment marketing on the team. So I just kind of stepped in and did little things that, you know, got candidates interested, whether it was making videos that were really hilarious. Like one time I made a fake infomercial when I was working at FTD, that's still floating around YouTube somewhere. And it's pretty funny. Um, But most recently I do a lot of video job advertisements for the positions that I source for at Maxar Technologies. And the reason that I do that is because it's it's a lot easier to grab the attention of someone on the newsfeed 
with a quick video than it is to have it entirely text-based. So really that visual aspect is really helpful to what we do. And I don't think that a lot of people realize that creating video content is a lot easier and it's a lot cheaper than you think that it might be. Just about everything that I use is free or as I call it, freemium. <laughs> so, you know, paid version if you want to go up a little bit higher, but it's, uh, it's definitely served me well in the long term to be able to quickly churn out creative content rather than having to wait on a marketing department to produce it every time. All right. So for those of you who don't know, Erin is putting objects into space. She's not putting billionaires into space. Um, <laughs> that's, that's another recruiter that we love. Um, the, uh, how do you like, but like, how do you reach that audience? Because I just think who you're looking for is so niche. Is, is that, is that the wrong perception? It is very niche. And a lot of times it, it just really depends. Some of the people that we're looking for are already in that space. Um, so you really have to be able to sell them on your company's unique culture. And for us at Maxar, we are a government contractor, but we really don't feel like one compared to the other big names that you might recognize like a Raytheon or a Lockheed Martin. We feel much more like a tech company. So essentially that, that's kind of the story that we have to share. Um, you know, I, I kind of went into Maxar expecting a culture that was very buttoned up because obviously when you're working on government contracts, um, you know, there's a lot of compliance and regulations that you have to adhere by. But I walked into that office in, in DC a couple of years ago with pink hair and I'm like, oh, I, I didn't have time to get this covered up. Are they gonna think I'm a big weirdo? No, nobody batted an eye. And then I saw people walking through the halls with full sleeves and it just, it was a very laid back culture that I was not expecting. How do you convey, like, do you think, do you think the pink hair conveys that to, to, to other individuals? I mean, oh yeah, I'm definitely. Sure. I've, I've, I've had all kinds of weird hair colors in my LinkedIn pictures before. <laughs> Actually, I think that when I met you, you were like a strawberry blonde with a stripe. Uh, purple. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cool. Um, the the other question I would ask is, how do you make sure that you attract the right people and and kind of gatekeep out those individuals that are not not the right candidate you're looking for? I think that's a tough question because you don't necessarily want to gatekeep too much when you're a talent sourcer. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, especially in the government space. Sometimes you, you know, you do have to be very open that unfortunately, if you're a candidate that requires sponsorship, it's just not something that we're able to do um, due to regulations and constraints. So that's really the only kind of gatekeeping that we really have to do. But other than that, I, I mean, if you're attracting talent, you may not be able to find them a place within your specific organization, but you know, as sourcers, we're net well networked with each other and we just might happen to know somebody that has something that's relevant for them at another company. And when you, when you network like that, it's always bound to come back to you too. So that's just something that I kind of keep in mind. So I, I guess I'm not too big on the whole gatekeeping thing to begin with. You know what, that, that's, that's awesome to hear that. Um, I actually was, uh, actually was reading an article that Noel wrote on uh, recruiting daily. It's from about a year or so ago. 
um, that was about candidate experience and creating, um, not creating, not creating disillusionment, not, but creating that warm environment and actually screening people in as opposed to screening people out. Do you think that, do you think that more recruiters screen candidates in or screen candidates out? I'd say they probably screen them out more than anything. And there's, there's definitely things that you can do that, um, will often make candidates self-select out if they're not the right fit. Um, for example, we, we host a lot of virtual recruiting events and most often we are looking for mid to senior level people for these positions, but because we're putting ourselves out there as accessible to the general market, we're gonna get the new grads that register anyways. And more power to them because they, you know, they're being ambitious in marketing. And I always tell my hiring managers, don't brush them off when they come to talk to you in the booths. Let them know like, hey, yes, we are looking for mid to senior level here, but I'm going to introduce you to this person over in our talent acquisition booth. They're going to tell you a little bit more about our intern program. They're going to tell you about opportunities for new college grads. Unfortunately, it's just not our team at this time. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure that a lot of companies screen out new, new college grads, but that doesn't bode well for your long-term strategy. I couldn't, agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Why? Yeah. What, why does that not bode well for your long-term strategy? Think about it. People have long memories. <laughs> Actually, know? I think people have short memories. I look at all these people who've suddenly stopped. Political comment by Brian. I'm looking at all these people who have stopped yeah. wearing masks and have decided that 30% of the population being vaccinated is good enough and they've forgotten about COVID. In oh. Grant. I mean, that's true. That's true. However, I've had a lot of, you know, new college grads that I've interacted with in the past and, you know, helped with their resume because they've attended events at, at Maxar. And then a couple months down the road, you know, they happen to have six months of experience now and they're just qualified enough to apply to something. And then, you know, I didn't get that hire six months ago, but now I've got myself six months ago to thank for that. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want I want to I want to bring it back to content real quick. So, why why do you think recruiters shy? You may mention all this, but why why do you think recruiters shy away from integrating marketing or content creation into their actual workflow? Because they've convinced themselves that they have no creativity. And whoa, yes, but Man. that's not true. Everybody can everybody can be creative in some way or another. Uh, but I think that sometimes it may take the help of another person to pull it out of them. Um, and I've seen that a lot in helping newer sourcers come up with presentations, for example. We have a lot of new speakers this year, and they're like, I don't know how to put together content. I don't know how to put together a cool looking slide deck. A lot of times, if you just sit there with them for about 30 minutes and ask them a series of questions, then you pull those ideas out of their heads with just a little bit of help. And I think that that's a big barrier is people don't know where to start when it comes to creativity if it doesn't come to you naturally. It's just like any other skill that maybe you're not naturally inclined to. Everybody can stretch that rubber band a little bit further and I guess work on the skills that don't come naturally to them. I have to do it every day. I'm not the most organized person. I'm not the most structured person, but I've had to learn to become that way you know, because I've moved from a individual contributor to a manager role. It hasn't been easy, but I think that you can realize that you're capable of a lot more 
if you just try. So what are some examples of, of content that recruiters should consider? So um, I do this weekly post that a lot of people really like. Um, I unfortunately didn't have time to do one this week, but I call it Space Fact Friday. Now, this is not a Maxar endorsed type of content, but because I am in that industry, it's great content to attract people to my profile. So every Friday, I just look up a random fact about space. I put like a stock image in, you know, in the back of it. And then people are like, oh, my God, I had no idea that a spacesuit weighs 250 pounds and takes four hours to put on. You know, it's uh, it's just cool content that make people go, huh. And then they see yeah. my profile and they're like, oh, she sources for an aerospace company. That's really cool. So just little things like that are really simple to do. Um, it doesn't take a whole lot of creativity to look up a cool fact and, and just put a cool graphic behind it. Does it really take four hours to put a spacesuit on? It sure does. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one, but that's a long time to be put. Yeah, I, I know where to go with that one. <laughs> Aaron, how do you like, okay, so like you put this post together, the Space Tech Friday. How much time, like, I know how much time I put together to build a presentation. I know that it takes me about an hour to write an article. How much time are you taking to put Space Fact Friday together? I want people to understand how easy it is and, and, and how, yeah, I want people to understand how easy it is. Yeah, so I use a Canva account for that, which is one of those freemium tools. And they have like thousands and thousands of royalty-free images that you can use and a lot of cool space ones, which is why I like it. But um, what I'll usually do is I'll take half an hour, 45 minutes, and I'll do four at a time, and then I'm done for the month. And then I set it up in my Buffer account, and then Space Fact Friday goes out every Friday. And awesome. Buffer, by the way, is a scheduling tool that's a Chrome extension that you can use to schedule your social media posts. Okay, and how much does Buffer cost? Nothing. It's free. <sighs> my favorite four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, and, you know, I, I, think, I think you pick up a good point. So many people that I've spoken with over the years and especially most recently in some of the projects we've taken on is, is simply because companies are just one, they don't feel like they have the creativity, but two, there's just a sense of laziness. They don't, they don't want to take the two or three hours a week to put together decent content to then share. I mean, I know it takes more than two or three hours, but they don't want to take a block of time to set themselves up for success for the entire month. And I, I just don't get it. And I, I think there's probably, and, and maybe this is something, Aaron, that, that you can answer for us. What's a good, I guess, how should a recruiter set themselves up for success? What are two or three things that they can put into, into play in their own workflow to make sure they have time for creation, have time to schedule content and, and things like that? Um, I think you can always set up an RSS feed to get things like industry news that you think your followers would find interesting and take that and use that as inspiration for your content. You know, I do that all the time. I, I have a feed for, you know, just different space content so that I can always create my Space Fact Fridays if I'm stuck and don't know what to write that week. So it's, it's really easy just to pull a lot of content from different places and get inspired by that. Take a look at what other companies are doing too within your industry. You, it's very easy to get ideas and then make them your own for the most part without plagiarizing, obviously. But 
Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of inspiration from uh, other companies like Lockheed or Raytheon. They, you know, they all generate some really great content as well. Um, so it's being able to take things around you and make them very much your own. Love that. And, and you talk about making it your own. Aaron, you've left a, you've put considerable marks on recruiting. Like I remember when I first met you, you ramped up very quickly to being quote unquote known as the Reddit recruiter. Now you're talking about marketing and things that you're doing there. And I remember what you did for Star Wars uh, when you were at FTD. Um, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. Um, Aaron, what's, what's the next big thing that you're chasing? Is it marketing or is it some some other combination? What's the next big thing that you're after? I guess there isn't really a next big thing. I'm just at this point trying to keep my head above water and still learning to be a good manager. <laughs> Actually, I, I want to ask you about that. And, and uh, let me let me start by, by asking you, how are we doing on Tom? How, how are we doing what? How are we doing on Tom? Are you good on Tom? Oh, yeah, I'm good on time. All right. So I know that we were going to talk about marketing, but you are somebody who has made the jump from individual contributor to manager leading a team. What advice would you give to somebody if you could, if they were like, hey, Aaron, um, great, great talk. Uh, I'm thinking I want to become a manager. What would you, what advice would you give them? You have to understand that if you're going to make the jump from individual contributor to manager, very often you're going to have to go from your coworkers being your peers to being responsible for their performance, which can be a really tough transition to make, especially if those people that you're now managing, you once considered friends. It doesn't make having those difficult conversations with them any easier, but at the end of the day, they still have to happen. And it's a very delicate balance to be able to manage that. All right. So when people have approached me about management, my, my pushback is I don't want to pull reports. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you, what does the data tell you and why do managers pull reports? I'm just super curious about this. Well, I think that as a manager, you have to know where the bottlenecks are because there's always going to be one. You know, everybody, I, everybody that I've worked with, they work their, their asses off, like pardon my French there, but, you know, but it's at sometimes the, uh, the metrics don't seem to reflect that. So it's being able to take a look at where that bottleneck is. And I'm like, is it response rates? Is, you know, what, at what point are the candidates getting stuck? And that's where you have to be able to make those analysis as a, as a manager in that, in that situation. And then once you've figured out where it is, you have to know how to help that person get to where they need to be. You know, you, you got to ask a series of questions like, oh, your response rate is only 5%. Why is that? What are you sending as outreach? Can I take a look at it? Can I look for anything that stands out? Are you following up with a text? Um, are you following up with a call? How many times are you reaching out? And digging into those questions, you know, oftentimes I'm sure it can feel like micromanagement, but it's really, the purpose is really only to help them. And that's where the data comes in at that point. Sure, sure. And, and you know, we did talk about response rates. Do you think that the marketing that you do that creates brand awareness also increases the rate of response that you get? Absolutely. Um, it's all about finding that selling point. And for me, crafting the right message is so essential. And oftentimes I've looked at, at people's outreach when they said, I'm just not getting responses. I'm just not getting responses. The first thing I ask is show me the email you're sending. And nine times out of 10, I'm like, that's it. That's the issue right there. 
you know, it reads like spam. You're using the wrong subject line. It's, you know, it's not personal. Um, so that's why the marketing aspect of that is so, so important. Everything from the subject line to giving them the look and feel of what it's going to be like to, to work where you work. There's just so many simple things that are tied to marketing and selling a job. How do you, how are you making recommendations to the recruiters to make, to make their emails more personal? I mean, candidates are getting, I mean, just anybody in general, they're getting hundreds of emails a day. Yeah. How, so, how do they stand out? So what I always try to do is I take a look at the job description and as I'm reading it, I say, okay, what is the thing that makes this job special? A lot of times I look for the phrase that says, in this role, you will blank. And usually that phrase tends to pack a lot of punch with whatever follows that. Um, and, and the reason being is a lot of people will not apply to a job if they don't know what it's going to be like, if they can't visualize themselves in the role. So if I can find a job description that says in this role, you will blank, that's usually the best phrasing to include within my outreach. Next, I like to feature the hiring manager in all of my outreach. I like to say like, you'll be joining a, you know, a growth minded and dynamic team led by this person. And then I hyperlink to their LinkedIn profile. So that alone giving them a face to the name to connect with, I, I think really stands out. And then also, um, and I totally stole this from Mike Vroman on my team, but you know, it's a great thing to steal. <laughs> I always put at the end of the email, I appreciate even a no thanks. And I get a lot of no thanks just because of that. And that ups my response rate. So I like that you have the what's in it for me and what's in it for me are W-I-I-I-F-M. I've got to give credit to to the lovely and talented Amy over at Amazon, because she kind of taught me to make sure that you're writing those emails about what's in it for me, me being the candidate um, with that call to action. Um, so I, I would also ask, is there are there any other important elements that need to be put into an email that tie it back to the marketing that you're putting out? Like, do you it include links? It. Shally says not to include links. I wonder about that sometimes. I mean, I do all the time and it works just fine. <laughs> A lot of people will disagree with me on that, but I do put a lot of links uh, within my within my outreach. You know, I, I've always had better luck. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on, for I guess for both of you, since you're both still recruiting, um, shorter emails over longer, right? So not not even mentioning anything really about the job, really keeping it more about the candidate. So something like, you know, I was asked to reach out to you regarding your background in A, oh. B, and C. Are you open to having a conversation? And that's it, right? But not getting into the job, the job title or, you know, who you'd be working with. Just literally a, a, a two or three sentence, you know, hey, John, it's Ryan from so-and-so. I was asked to reach out to you specifically about your background in A, B, and C. Are you open to having a call? How about next Tuesday or whatever, you know, the date? And then um, just sign off and be done. You know what is that actually, I'm going to jump on that, is that, um, I don't ever say I was asked by somebody to reach out to you. I was asked by a hiring. I think that makes the hiring manager look lazy. If yep. a hiring manager is interested, I tell the hiring manager, that's great. You reach out to them, right? Like we have, and and if they push back on me, they don't get, they don't get love. That That's it. Like I hate to be a dick about it, but that's, that's it. That's one. Two, um, the only time that I bring hiring managers into it is when I do quote unquote, my, my first sourcing effort is that if um, like Georgia Tech is here in Atlanta 
Um, there are a lot of Georgia Tech grads that leave Atlanta and go to other places. And I will put as the subject line, go jackets, open parentheses, even though I went to Georgia, close parentheses to send out to them so that if they, if they look at the hiring manager for the role, after we've had our conversation, they're going to realize that that person also went to Georgia Tech and they migrated away from the city of Atlanta. So like I, I would put that in there about the title of the job. I think the titles are fungible. Um, I think that you should be, I agree with Aaron wholeheartedly that you should be telling a candidate more about what they're going to be doing. Like for instance, there's an email that I'm sending out right now that says um, we're working on some new confidential initiatives that might be interesting to explore together. Uh, one of those includes replatforming or moving our platform from Mesos to Kubernetes. This is going to be huge. This replatforming might be interesting to explore together. However, more importantly, the work I do is driven by you and what you want to do next. Would you be open to a quick call to explore what we're building and how you could be a part of it? Question mark. Yeah, I think you really have to sell the mission, to be honest. And I, I've heard of a lot of people that use outreach that just say like, oh, I want to talk about your background in this. Are you open to a conversation? To be honest, if I received that email, it would go straight to my delete bin because I don't. When, when something is so non-specific like that, I'm like, okay, it's probably, you know, a recruiter that's trying to pitch me for multiple roles at multiple companies. And I just don't, I don't agency, have time to Agency, agency stink. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, I, I want to know specifically about it. I don't want you to hide the company name. I don't want you to, I want you to know, I, I want to know immediately why I should care. Right. Is it care. worth 10 minutes of your time? Because that's, that's going to, that's what's going to take place in the conversation. We're like, I, I don't care what anybody says. The first call between a recruiter and a candidate is a sell call. And it's about, th there is a fair amount of control that needs to take place in that conversation. And if somebody doesn't come to the conversation with that buy-in immediately, it's going to be more difficult to control. And it's going to be more difficult to control in terms of closing that candidate, the further you go down the line. Yep. I think, I think that, that that's a conversation we should have another time and, and do a full show on that one, how to control your first conversation. Because I think you're right. I think there's an element that of, of that call that needs to be controlled. Expectations need to be set uh, by the recruiter. That's a great topic. So Aaron, let's wrap this sucker up. Give us, uh, give us your two or three takeaways that everybody needs to know about adding a dash of marketing to your sourcing workflow. There are a lot more tools out there that are free and very affordable if you want to pay any money towards them. Um, I'll be talking about that in my HRTX presentation in September. Um, don't be afraid to be creative and learn how to sell your jobs. It's, it really is a sales-minded tactic when you want talent to come to you. Okay, so just real quick, I'm going to invite my friend Aaron Matthew to the next Atlanta happy hour for recruiters on September 1st. I'd love to have you there. I'll send you some invites. No, I don't want you to show up as the speaker. I want you to be my guest. If you're listening in the Atlanta area, please go to the recruit ATL page and you'll find out some more details there. But since Erin has moved to the South and she's like two hours from Atlanta, I can't wait mm. to see her. I would love to come, but my parents are visiting Asheville for the first time that uh, day. Always awesome. an excuse. She just stood you up. I know. I'm sorry. I totally want to come down and see everyone, though. I haven't seen any of my sourcing family in person since the pandemic, and it's killing me. 
All right. Well, maybe maybe I'll grab Barbara Marks and we'll take a road trip to see you instead. Please do. Oh, man, that means it's over. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.